of the Living Geek. And I'm Justin. We are Super Segoy Cast, and we're back! This is episode 15. We had already actually recorded an episode 15 back in July before we left, mm-hmm. unexpectedly, and never said anything ever. <laughs> yeah, we just kind of left you guys on the face of the earth. Sorry. We, we, uh, we disappeared. We didn't text, we didn't call. I'm sorry, yeah. you guys. We you just... don't write, you don't call. <laughs> <laughs> we moved from... California to Ohio back in July just to kind of give ourselves a new scenery. No, we kind of had to. Yeah, we were forced to. (laughs) (laughs) We moved and now we're here and we had, it took us some time to get set up, but we got our equipment and we have fiddled with settings for the past like 24 hours to figure out how to get it done and hopefully it'll work out. So, so just a brief explanation of what's going on for the podcast. Yeah, we, kind of like a, a, not a start over, but... A refresher course. A ref, yes, a refresher. So, 2.0. <laughs> we like to cover all things Japanese, uh, technology, games, anime. Particularly stuff that you can find here in America, or stuff that you may come across, or whatever. You know, just to kind of bridge the gap, maybe? Yeah, basically, our old format for the show would be that we release a weekly episode uh, at around Friday at 10 a.m. We're going to switch that up a little bit this time around. We're going to do once every other week now, and the episodes will probably be slightly longer to kind of make up for that. And we're going to try to bring in more uh, interaction. So we're going to start watching a show, and then we're going to tell you guys about it so far, how we like it, blah, blah, blah. And by the second episode, we'll have finished it up, and we can kind of see if anybody else was watching it, what they thought, and stuff like that. We figured that would be more fun. We still want suggestions for anime and whatnot, uh, or TV shows that you want us to check out. And Um, we're going to get back on Facebook, back on Twitter, back on Instagram. But it's kind of hard, because we work 10-hour shifts at our job. So, (laughs) until until we can make this our job, we kind of, you know, we'll do what we can, but we're really going to try. Yeah, we'll we'll keep throwing in tweets and posts and whatnot when we can on breaks and I mean due to the fact that we work four tens we actually get three days off so we have some more time during that point to kind of interact with you guys and uh, hopefully get some feedback yep all right so this episode should be airing a couple days before Valentine's Day so we want to talk a little bit about Japan and how they celebrate Valentine's Day and uh, that kind of ties into a documentary and an anime we watched yes so Valentine's Day is celebrated in Japan which is kind of surprising because it's you know it, what is it a European holiday technically that's where have, it started off from Saint Valentine. It was just a day of hearts with red colors a and day flowers of and chocolates and stuff. I don't know where it came from. I never okay. thought about it. In Japan, it's slightly different than it is here. Um, here, you know, men give women chocolates or vice or whoever. Well, no. And it's usually Valentine's Day is seen as a very male giving female things: chocolates, candies, flowers, and it's kind of turned into like a jewelry giving day thing now. Yeah. Too, if you're serious about your relationship, well, that's what it is to me. That's what it's always been in my mind. I've never been big on Valentine's Day, but in Japan, it's reversed, and women give chocolate to men. So there's two types of chocolate. There's obligation chocolate, which is meant for friends, colleagues, and bosses. It's just kind of like, well, 
I can't ignore you, so yeah. here's some chocolate. We're, we're you know? more than acquaintances, basically. Right. And then there's, you know, true love chocolate, which is homemade and meant for boyfriends and husbands and lovers and blah, 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 that kind of thing. So right there, there's already one big difference between us and them. For one, it's women giving men chocolate, but then on the fact that it's not just for relationships, it's for everybody. Right. Well, Japan is a very big gift-giving society in a way like mm-hmm. when you go on vacation and you come back you give some you give people souvenirs you know if you visit people you bring a gift and things like that yeah. so yeah. this isn't really much different it's just the meaning behind it is different yeah and then one other thing that's obviously a major difference is, is here we have valentine's day but we don't have a second day to reverse the celebration out in japan they do they have what's known as white day which follows one month later and it's where men give return gifts to the women for valentine's day And it's white chocolate, which is where White Day got its name, but they can also give flowers and other candy, so that's kind of how that works. And it's hugely marketed, the same way as it is here, you know, department stores and uh, shops and Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. all... Well, it always seems like Japan's into, like, every holiday, and when they go all out, they go all out. One of the things that we were going to talk about in our failed episode was... The celebration of, I guess, like Pokemon, and they have a Pikachu day, and they go crazy, and there's like thousands of Pikachus everywhere, people in costumes and face paint, and when they celebrate stuff, they go all out. Go big or go home. <laughs> Since we're hitting on Valentine's Day, the anime we, we started watching is Ore Monogatari, or My Love Story. And it's cute. It's adorable. It's actually, it's really cute. It's funny. It has great humor, uh, a lot of interests. One of the episodes we just watched was kind of emotional, and for me, getting emotional is hard. Yeah, so, that was, it was a tough episode, that one. It was, but it's really good. It's 24 episodes long, and it's available on Hulu and Crunchyroll, from what I could see. The whole thing is just a romantic comedy about this young couple in a new relationship. I believe it's the first for both of them. It seems that way so far. Yeah, Takeo and Yamato. They're just, just adorable. <laughs> the way, yeah, like, what started out as uh, Takeo has a, a good friend named Suna, and he's, like, this, like, complete opposite, smaller dude, attractive-looking yeah. jello females. Like, all the girls love him. And, Takeo's, uh, like, this huge... Uh, he, he's dude. built kind of like Wreck-It Ralph, you know? Kind of, He's just, but, like, a big gorilla of a man. Yeah, and he's, like, <laughs> respected by all his male peers. Everybody wants to be his friend because he's so nice and he's so, like, athletic, and he's just giant. So, anyway, he meets Yamato, and he's trying to set her up with... His friend Suna. Uh, yeah, because that's what he assumes she's into, and he never had the confidence for himself. Go figure, she actually liked him instead. So the whole few first few episodes are this miscommunication between the two of them, because they thought that, you know, he thought that she wanted his friend, and reverse, and reverse. No, not yeah. reverse. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, so it's gotten better, and they're into each other, and I think we just finished up an episode where they celebrate her birthday which is also when his friend's dad's in the hospital. So it's like, it was a very up and down, you're happy one moment, sad the next. So it's, it kind of gets you. It's really good. It's funny. I don't really understand Takeo. Like, he's this giant dude, big in American standards as well, and he's really I think buff. he's big in all standards. Well, yeah, but like... Except giant standards. He has like these flashing like moments of like superhero like power. Like, he's really selfless. How he meets Yamato is on the subway train. She's kind of getting... She gets groped. Or she's, she's gonna get groped by a guy. She's 
he's like in the process of it yeah. and he like goes over there and he like breaks the dude's arm basically and like <laughs> gets him arrested at the end of the train and that's how they meet and then I think another point he goes out to lunch with her Suna and like mixed match of their friends yeah they were having a mixer he's like chasing Yamato because she's sad that her friends were talking not nice about Takeo and the building kind of erupts in flames all of a sudden and so he goes in and rescues her friends and like gets trapped under this debris of things which is really heavy and somehow he like rampages he, out he the window he bursts through the wall and he bursts through the window and he it's jumps crazy. out of the building in an explosion of heroism basically <laughs> and like lands two stories down like nothing happened yeah like he's on fire sitting there talking to people and you're like Huh. <laughs> like, it's funny, but at the same time, you're kind of like, where does this, like, random power come from? Is it just part of the show, or is it going to turn into something else? Maybe he's a superhero. That'd be awesome. We'll Got see him, like, another anime down the road. Bit by a radioactive <laughs> something. I don't know. What would have got... What would, what, where would he have gotten these powers? I don't know. Well, they said his mom was, like, a wrestler, right? Yeah. Well, he so. can't get bit by a radioactive wrestler. That's not really... Well, maybe she was bit <laughs> by something that gave her the strength to wrestle, and when she had Takio, he just kind of came out of it as maybe. a mutant. Yeah. He's the first mutant to Japan. You know, they haven't showed his dad. They haven't, actually. I wonder if he has a dad. I yeah, mean, obviously they've on the point that he has a dad, because when he came home and found out he's having a younger brother, his mom's like, you always ask me the same questions like your father. I'm oh, fine. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're so, right. You, they haven't really showed a whole lot of parents just these last two episodes, really, that we've even seen his mom. I um, think they probably added that in there because the cute love story thing was kind of running thin. Yeah, you know? they like how depth. much? Yeah, how off? How much can you really get into that? You know? Yeah, and then you really haven't met either of his friends' parents either. Uh, just this last episode that we watched, Suna's dad's in the hospital, so mm-hmm. we saw like flashbacks of what he looked like in memories. But we, we met just his, met his mom you, and his sister. Well, yeah, we, yeah, like we met his two sister episodes too. ago, I think. Or you something. know, so. It, it's just now starting to really expand off of just a love story between these two people and his one like close friend that he's had for, I think, ten years. We'll see where it goes. I've never read the manga, and I think this is a fairly new anime, too, just from last year, I think. But mm-hmm. Something like that. I think 2015 is when it came out, so it's... It's really cute. I think we've said cute like 8,000 times. It's because it is. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to describe it. It's hilarious, and it's fun to watch. It is fun to watch. Okay. There's cute... Cute, again. Cute, cute, cute. <laughs> cute, no, cute, cute, There's cute, little cute. Um, moments that make you laugh. It's not even, like, in the conversations. It's just little subtleties. Like, it's this is another anime where they do, like, the random kanji or hiragana popping up near people's heads or, like, on their t-shirts and things, like, they're thinking and they say, mm-hmm. which is really funny, too, because it just adds depth to the show, which is really kind of simple in the long run. That's what it is. It's very simple, but mm-hmm. it, it's not full of stuff that you don't need. No, it's simple, but it's really, really entertaining. Yeah, there you go. Hope you guys enjoy it and let us know, and we will kind of finish up the rest of it later for our next episode. Right. I think we're nine episodes in? Nine or ten, yeah. Yeah. Right about there. There isn't a whole lot of, um, like, linear story, except for the last few episodes, but it's still enjoyable to watch. So. Yeah, very good. We also watched a documentary called Love Hotel on Netflix. I was actually disappointed with it. I was very disappointed in it. Yeah, so I thought it was going to be focused on the hotel and how it works or the employees who work there and the the kind of stories that they bring about daily life working in this love hotel, but it totally was not. It focused on, like, half stories from clients that use the hotel and it was it actually showed a lot more than I thought it was going to show. Yeah, um, that's for there sure. is nudity, so if you're planning on watching it, make Male sure that you're female. in an area. It's, yeah, it's it's 
not a whole lot, but it's there. Yeah, but just um, be aware that that's there. Yeah, you know, and like she was saying, I really was just going into it hoping we would get information about the hotels because when we visited Japan, we saw a few and kind of wondering what was going on there. But this really didn't hit on what they fully do with them more so, and it was just I really think, slow. Yeah, I think it was trying to show that different people use them for different reasons. Yeah, that's probably what it was going for. Yeah, and that it's it's just not a big deal. You know, like, there are some people who just use them to get away from normal life in Japan. Like, this one couple just meets up once a week to dance and, like, have a date, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Really didn't focus on anything in particular. Like, there was a point where I figured they were going to get into more of, like, a dramatic plot point where they were saying on the news and stuff that they're going to have to start shutting down love hotels because of these crazy restrictions that are happening in Japan. Mm-hmm. And the documentary just kind of skipped over that. It really didn't focus on it at all. Like You, you woke up to the manager getting ready in his room to work we, at his hotel and we you woke the up news. to the manager well <laughs> the minute you you go to a scene where the manager's waking up basically to get ready for work in his love hotel and you see the news and it's talking about how things are getting more strict in japan that's like briefly what you get and then about what three quarters of the way almost near to the end of it they start really hitting on the fact that it's like love hotels are closing because so many rooms are out of ordinance, I guess. Yeah. And And they were like, well, we're going to have to do construction work on some of these rooms, but they never, they never, there was no dramatic, like, oh my God, we're closing. What are we going to do? You know, we we can't try to fix this. It was nothing. It was just like, all right. It was just a basic glimpse into a random point in time, basically. Yeah. I would say if you're going to watch it, put it on when you're planning on doing some other stuff, if you just want some background noise and you wanted to give it a a chance but otherwise it's really not something i would suggest looking into yeah like i said i was disappointed with valentine's day still kind of being the topic of discussion starting february 1st kit kat is adding another japan exclusive favor a japan exclusive flavor sake (laughs) (laughs) sake it's white chocolate mixed with sake powder So, I mean, that sounds pretty good, and since white chocolate is part of their celebration, it kind of just fits in with being able to give that as a candy. I would like some white chocolate Kit Kats. I bet they'd be really good. Well, you know, that's not how it works, because white day is when you give me the sake Kit Kats. Well, I'll probably just buy myself a pack while we're at it, (laughs) because I I want some Kit Kats, too. It's okay. I would share if you gave them to me, because I don't really like white chocolate, but, you know. So, what's also kind of really neat is that's not obviously the only flavor they have. They have tons. They already have wasabi, soybean, purple sweet potato, and green tea. Right. And the green tea one did so well with the tourists and stuff. It went up by 20% in sales just from last year. Which is crazy. Yeah. So, that's why they're doing... Well, that's why they added this whole other flavor in the first place. Yeah, and I haven't really seen any out here, but in the store back in San Jose, didn't they have strawberry-flavored Kit Kats, too? Yeah, there was strawberry-flavored Kit Kats, and they also had the green tea ones there a lot, too. Yeah, they were but, popular. You know, yeah, exactly. See, they're so popular, they were imported into the Japanese store back in California. And one of the big differences that I have found since living here is there's, like, nothing. We don't, we don't have a Japanese store, like, back in California. We it's really kind don't. of sad. Where am I going to get my Calpicos, you know? Where am I going to get all my, my bean buns and stuff like that? There yeah, isn't well, any. There really isn't. And it, for us, I think if we're going to find anything, we actually have to travel a few hours away to, like, maybe uh, Chicago or I don't, I don't even know where. I'm gonna... We'll have to take a 
a vacation. <laughs> something, but it's kind of unfortunate we're not being able to continue our love for the Japanese culture because they don't really have it out here as much. So yeah. we have to really hunt it down. It's not really something I thought about when we moved here. Like no, it really I didn't wasn't. think that there was just going to be that big of a of a difference. I think one of the hardest things so far is that there's not many Japanese restaurants. No, and you know it's strange because the few restaurants that there are, it's like a hybrid of Japanese food, Chinese food, Korean food, whatever, and it's always hibachi. Always, it's always hibachi style. It's like why? Why, and they why say is that sushi, the kitschy thing? But it's like just a few rolls. Yeah, it's never anything substantial. In and we haven't sushi. gone to any of these places yet because, for one, there still aren't very many near us, and two, when we've looked up the reviews that they have it's like the people like it but it's not good no like, it's just it's good it's for the area standard so, so i don't know we're kind of afraid to try it and be let down and i am kind of picky when it comes to food so and i'm not gonna pay 50 dollars for a meal that i can't edit that <laughs> you can't edit no i like and that anyway to get off the food topic because yes. it's making me more and more hungry sorry during the episodes, we also like to bring up tech and games and other things like that that we found that are coming out recently or are upcoming that seem exciting. So, Justin, you've looked up some stuff. I know that. Yeah. I, I didn't do that for this episode because I left that up to him. So, And that's probably a bad idea, but I found, <laughs> I found one kind of really interesting thing. Um, it was the Cutting Edge IT and Electronics Comprehensive Exhibit near Tokyo. That's kind of a mouthful to say, but yes. I got through it. We're, we're on our way to success. I saw in parentheses that you put C-Tech, yeah. but it's C-E-A-T-E-C, and it doesn't really make sense where the A came from. I don't know. Because it's cutting edge IT and electronics. So it's, where does the A... There's no A in that at all. maybe they create things, so they're like, we C-Tech it? I don't know. <laughs> I just wrote what? what I saw, man, and that's what they shortened it for. Okay. So... Maybe it's because it's and electronics comprehensive exhibit. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, probably. Anyway, to kind of get into it. So this happened near Tokyo. And some of the really cool things that caught my eye was automation's parts maker Omron made a robot that can play and coach humans at ping pong. Oh, I need that. That's awesome. I don't think I've ever really played ping pong, so I'm sure I could use a coach. Are you serious? We need a table then because I love playing ping pong. Really? Yeah. Every Christmas, me and my family, that's what we would do. We would get together. Uncles and cousins, everybody would go out there and we would play ping pong with that's each other. That's cool. Yeah, I've never, I don't think I've ever played. I think we've had the same table for, I don't know, probably going on 15 years. That is a long time. It, it's so old that we have the net duct taped to the table. We have legs duct taped to the table. <laughs> Most of our paddles are missing or brand new. Like, it's pretty crazy yeah we we make it last we probably need a new one by now though well <laughs> like, since we're no longer anywhere near them i'm sure we can just get our own we do if well, you really want to <laughs> i want a ping pong table and i want a pool table anyway we're getting off topic what if we got a pool table that converts into a ping pong table? i think they make those i don't think that would be that difficult i don't think so either because you have the pool table and then you just have yeah. a table that goes on top of the pool table well yeah yeah there you go yeah see Back on topic, the robot responds immediately after the player hits the ball and projects a return ball on the table to help the player with the next return. Really? Yeah. That's so, actually really like, cool. That's how, how it teaches you where the ball is going to land and how it's going to work out yeah. that way. The robot has a camera and a sensor to detect ball movement and can play a near flawless rally. It means that you don't have to fold up half the table and play with yourself. But does it actually play with you or does it just have projections? 
If it rallies, yeah, it's, well, it it's bouncing it, a ball back and forth with you. No, because, I mean, it says it can play a rally, but that doesn't mean that it's playing it with you. It means it can show you back and forth oh. a, a flawless rally, Maybe I think. it is. But if it can detect ball movement, I imagine it can serve right back to you. We'll have to try to find a video later. Another thing that happened at the exhibit was ROM, a major maker of semiconductor devices, managed to create a footlong origami crane that weighed 31 grams that can fly with an ultralight motor. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like an improvised paper plane that can go really far. Yeah. <laughs> Which but I mean, so awesome. was it just made out of paper? Yeah. Huh. I mean, anybody can make a crane, so I don't get what they did. So but they created the motor. That won't weigh down paper. The paper crane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. That's my bad for not emphasizing that point. But the motor is so <laughs> light sorry. that it allows paper to fly. Yeah. Which is crazy because paper in and of itself is extremely light. Okay, that makes more sense. See, I was confused. But that's not even what really caught my eye about ROM. What it did catch my eye is that they're working on a sensor that you can place in luggage so that you can see your suitcase is getting thrown around by the handlers, if it's getting just ruined in the bottom of the plane as it flies, and it also can reveal its location if it gets lost. So you land in Egypt and your suitcase is down in like... London. Yeah. How did it end up in Egypt? What's going on? But at least you would know where it is at that point, and you can let the airline know. Yeah. So it's like a little GPS. Yeah. These are things that I would want in my own luggage to help me know that my stuff's not going to get broken. Luggage always seems to end up where it shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I don't think I've ever had my luggage get lost or stolen or anything like that. I've been very lucky. I have. Um, I flew enough as a kid that my luggage sometimes would end up where it shouldn't. Luckily, I've never had an issue getting it back within like a day. You know, as a random fact out there for everybody, including us, um, if they do lose your luggage and you say they don't have it to you within the first couple hours, you can go buy anything you need, some clothes and amenities, toothbrush, toothpaste, and stuff like that. As long as you keep the receipts, they have to reimburse you for losing your luggage. The tracker thing sounds like such a good idea. I'm wondering why nobody has created it before. Like, it's such a huge issue when people get their stuff stolen. Mm -hmm. So, you'd think that somebody would have come up with this a long time ago. Yeah, and it's really strange that it hasn't been, or maybe there was something in the works, but it just kind of got put on the back shelf because no one really found it useful. But Was there any other cool stuff? One other group that was at the exhibit was Panasonic. Um, They displayed a high-tech home with a mirror that can tell you your BMI or your body mass index. Which I'm sure not a lot of people would want, but I think for I would, some I think. of us out there, it's really useful. I have a few of my family members who work out, and they would want to make sure that they're on the right path to making the gains that they want to do. But I'm sure there's, but either way, having technology like that can lead to bigger and better things in your mirror. Well, such they could as, also put it in gyms and things like that too. They could. I think having a, a mirror that told you your body mass index in a gym is a good idea. At the same time, I think it's a terrible idea because people already kind of hog the mirrors as it is just wanting to look at themselves. <laughs> and now they're actually going to get useful info out of it. You can't really criticize them and be like, hey, move, bud. I want to see my pecs too. Well, <laughs> maybe that just means that they need to have more mirrors in the gyms. Like, yeah, maybe they need a mirror next to each machine, I guess, so you can kind of make sure that you're doing your form correctly you know, and etc. That's you know? what they're meant for, really. Well, yeah. And then and at the same time, it tells you all the stuff that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, here's a good idea for, for Panasonic, the new mirror people. Okay, make this stuff for the gym and have it show a form 
the correct form on the mirror along with oh, your BMI, that so that way awesome. you can match yourself up to it and see if you're doing it right. See, that's Boom. A, that's a really good idea. I mean, <laughs> why do we keep selling things to these people? Like that is so smart because so many people go in the gym that I've witnessed that definitely do things the wrong way, yeah. and it's unsafe for sure. <laughs> I've seen some really weird things and, too. Yeah, so like. You go in there and say you're starting to do your your single arm curl and you're like, oh, this doesn't feel right. The mirror recognizes that and goes, here's how you should be doing it. Like, you know how much of an improvement that would be for so many people who are going there and doing things inefficiently? I think I would feel better about spending $50 a month on a gym membership if they had something useful like that. (laughs) Yeah, that would be so awesome. And I think this is just a right step to getting that as a possibility. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that was really neat that Panasonic did was they made a window and slash table that can display images based on your conversation you're having. So say you're having breakfast and you're talking about working out, it'll show you pictures from your life that... Well, that would be kind of weird. Like, where would... Would it just be, like, Google images? Or would it be, like, images from your cloud? Or, like... Um, you know what I, I mean? Because like, what if we start... pictures of your trip to Japan and just one morning you're starting to talk about, hey, remember what we did in Japan? So does it bring them up automatically or is it something like you select? No, it does it for you based on the conversation you're having. See, that's kind of weird because what if you had stuff that you might not... Like, or if you're having a weird conversation... Like some people have really weird. What if you're play, okay? What if you're playing Cards Against Humanity? That would just bring up some strange images. Well, what if there was no images to bring up? I'm sure it'd be like nothing found. <laughs> or four oh four error. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you could probably turn it off if you don't want it. I just thought that was really neat because like you're going back on memories and you've loaded up photos to its cloud and it can show you those memories again in real time as you're talking about them. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that's cool. I could see practical applications. I just see yeah. a lot of unpractical applications as well. <laughs> well, I don't... See, and that's one thing I, I kind of need to get more into. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of info based on what it was because these are just theoretical things that they've kind of tested and showed, like, what's happening. Yeah. Um... I don't know if it would just start bringing images up from Google or if it's only things you've loaded as a personal photo to a cloud. Like, yeah. it still hasn't really been said. But either way, I would hope it wouldn't just load random things from Google because you can say one wrong thing. <laughs> That's my and point. your breakfast can <laughs> turn very bad. Anyway, there was 530 companies from different countries that came to this exhibition. The leaders were China, Taiwan, and U.S. Wow. It's pretty crazy how diverse this was. It's a lot of companies. It's five hundred and thirty companies. Like you would think, with, with the amount of companies doing this kind of stuff, we would have a lot cooler tech, you know, available to us. You, you would think, you know, and I think we're getting there. Not fast enough. No, the future is nigh. I think most of these are just <laughs> ideas that the companies are coming out with. So they're like, "Hey, let's create a robot that can play ping pong," and. Let's build a, a sensor for luggage. It's like, these are probably things that they're working on. They're not finalized products, and like hopefully yeah. then they will expand. I'm sure they need backers products. and things like that. Like the hoverboard that's out right now, you know? like Yeah. You know, there's like 50,000 hoverboards. It's so strange. But like, it's not even the right hoverboard, though. No, uh, it's not even a real hoverboard. I don't understand. It's they're, a Segway without, without handles. So like, I don't know why they're calling those hoverboards when they actually have hoverboards in the work. Yeah. Works. In the work. In the work. Oh. <laughs> but, like, they have those in the works. Like, it's legitimately a hoverboard, and yet you're going to call something else that has wheels on it hoverboard because it doesn't hover, people. Do you not know what that word means? Like, yeah. it drives me crazy. You know what's not driving me crazy yet? What? Playing Final Fantasy Explorers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, like, good one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Final Fantasy Explorers uh, came out on the 26th of this month for the Nintendo DS. 3DS. 3DS, excuse me. Hey. So far, I actually really like this game. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, I've gotten like a whole hour into, into it. it so. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> but like from what I've read online about the game and what little bit we've played, it's something that I see being very enjoyable. Yeah, I think it'll be really fun. I think it's something that I really wanted to get because it's a game that we can play together. Yeah, that that was a really cool thing when he brought it up. Well, when we were talking about it a few episodes back, when we mentioned it, I thought the whole thing sounded really neat, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it was co-op at the time. No, and it's and local it's, co-op. Right, it's local co-op. So me, Justin, and anybody in the house around us or anyone in the apartment around us can technically all play together. Exactly. It's pretty cool. It's really cool. And then it's not just local co-op either. You can do online play with other people as well, or Mm -hmm. you can play solo for a little while, but at a certain point, missions start to get so hard, you really can't do them solo, even with the random pets you've captured to be your ally at that point in time. Well, that's what you've read. We haven't actually got that far yet. No, we haven't personally gotten that far, but that's just what I've heard, and I can see it being kind of hard at a certain point. Well, the game itself reminds me of the old Final Fantasy games that came out, like Final Fantasy 3, Final Fantasy 6, the ones that were before the PlayStation system. Mm. They're little sprites, but they're better looking sprites because it's 3DS mm-hmm. and you just kind of wander around grind things grind things you wander around and <laughs> grind to get experience points and level up and gear and stuff like that and they have like the 10,000 different jobs that you can have and stuff but the only difference is that it's you instead of you creating your party mm-hmm but I thought it was really cool. The whole reason why I wanted to get the game in the first place when we were talking about it was that you get to be hunters, basically, and you mm-hmm. have pets with all the little creatures that you know from the Final Fantasy series. Yeah. So. And it's pretty neat. It's it's not quite open world, but it's it's open world for the most part. Well, for now. For now. I'm sure once we get past the intro, there it'll be a lot more open. There's supposed to be dungeons and things like that to do as well. Right. So... The one thing I have read and I've seen so far, there's not a whole lot of plot to this game. Basically, the quests you get aren't for story purposes, but more so just to kind of get you out there and give you direction on how you're supposed to play. But I'm okay with that. I don't need a whole lot of lore. Like, the old Final Fantasy games, yeah, they had story, but they weren't really about the story. It was still just about going out and grinding and getting better gear mm-hmm. and getting summons and things like that. So, Well, you know. what I like about this, I don't mind a grind game so much as long as I can go find the mob I want to grind off of mm-hmm. versus, like, other Final Fantasy games and things like Pokemon, it's just you running in a field and you get randomly attacked. And that, like, after a while, starts to piss me off because I'm just trying to run. <laughs> I don't need to fight every three seconds. Yeah. This is your open world. You're running around. You find a toad. You kill a toad. You find a gnome. You kill a gnome. Things like that. It's it's really nice. Yeah. And it makes grinding, in my opinion, better. It's kind of like Pokemon in that sense where there isn't a whole lot of story, but mm-hmm. you're given direction. Exactly. It's like, hey, you need to go to this town, so go over there. Okay. You know, and then you get, you know, well, on your way, kill this many things and mm-hmm. visit that dungeon and do this stuff. Exactly. All right, cool. There's also neat aspects like there's um, bushes you can go into and you can, like, investigate the bushes and you'll find items in there. Well, I mean, that's just like World of Warcraft where you have to mine and you have to do herbalism mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stuff like that, so. It's, it's just a cool aspect of the game, something I think is a little different most Final Fantasies that I've ever played. Well, I think it's cool that you get to, I guess, summon... Well, it's not really a summon. I guess you're taking on aspects of Final Fantasy characters. Mm -hmm. Like, 
Well, I don't know. We haven't got that far yet. But in the trailer, you could kind of you could turn into Squall and you could turn into Cloud. And I saw my brother was playing, and he saw that there was a Sephiroth armor set, kind mm-hmm. of. And I was like, well, okay, that's really neat, you know. So I don't really know why or what you can do with it, but I know that it exists. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's something else that is kind of different versus other, like I said, Final Fantasies that I've played. You don't just buy gear that's better. You actually have to harvest them, and you make your own armor sets. You get to make your own weapons, and as you're playing through the game and you get higher level, the vendor learns more and more patterns, basically, and you get different gear that can suit your needs better. So once we play some more... We will get back to you guys on that, and if anybody has it, you can give us your opinions, and, you know, if there's anything that you think that we should be checking out or covering or whatever, that would be cool, too. You know, I thought it was really cool how the skills work. Like, you kind of get to mix and match between using your right trigger and your left trigger, and that gives you, I think, eight skills in total. Yeah. Plus, you kind of get, like, an ultimate skill by pressing your L and R button together. Right. You know, and what's really cool about it, so not only do you get to have a a really strong ability, but once you use an ability with Crystal Surge, which, by the way, there's different ones you can use charged up, you get the chance to actually go back to, like, your main camp and learn that ability's improved skill so that you don't have to wait for Crystal Surge to use it again. Oh, I have not done that yet. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, it just... It's an ever-evolving thing, so you're not just using the same abilities over and over. You're kind of getting to manipulate them and change them into, like, an ice ability fire, and it's really kind of cool. Yeah, that that actually sounds pretty nice. I'll have to go back to my merchant and check it out, because, like I said, I haven't got that far yet, so... Mm -hmm. You know what I think is the fun thing that you'll enjoy about that, too, is once you buy that skill, which is usable at any time, you get to name it. Like, whatever I want? Yeah. Oh, that's going to be fun. So kind of just to go back over being able to capture monsters that can assist you through your quests and your grinding, they also level with you. So don't think that you have to keep recapturing higher level monsters. As you get them, they gain XP when you complete quests, and I'd hope they would learn more abilities, but I haven't gotten that far either. It's just kind of something I read up about. Like, I think it's really cool too. We set up a group last night, we played for a little while. You get to change, like, what you're looking for. You're looking to grind. You're looking to kill a certain boss. You're just looking to farm materials. Like, you can let people know what you want to do so that you're getting the right people joining your group instead of someone who wants to do something completely different than what you're trying to go for. Yeah, that's true. And there is a chat option as well. But the chat option's nice, though, because you're not going to get a bunch of trolls. There's only, um, you have to pick what you want to say through a bunch of, pre-selected options, I guess. I don't know how to... Yeah, like, just like random, like, hey, how you doing? Let's go kill this. Um, Like, you don't really get to type to people, but there's a lot of choices from what I saw on what you can, like, post to people to read. Right, yeah. All in all, I think that I really look forward to getting farther and farther in this game. And I haven't had a DS game that's caught my eye since Pokemon Shuffle. On a kind of random note, uh, Pokemon, it's celebrating its 20th anniversary. Yay, Pokemon! Woo! Pokemon, for celebrating its 20th anniversary, is having a commercial on Super Bowl 50, which is... Huge. Crazy. Because those commercials are expensive. Last year's Super Bowl, 2015, the Super Bowl had 114.4 million viewers. It's probably, like, the biggest thing Americans watch. I think so. I think on a yearly date, it's, like, the biggest televised event. Most of the time, people watch it just for the commercials. So, Pokemon getting one on there is great for them and their 20th anniversary. Do you know what the commercial is for? Is it for a new game, or...? 
it wasn't necessarily for uh, actual game. It's just kind of like, hey, look at Pokemon. You can do it type video. I have found the video and I've watched it on YouTube, so we can load Wait, it up. Wait, what? You, they've released the commercial before it's even out? Yeah, it's on YouTube right now. Well, that's stupid. Kinda. Unless that was just like the preview for it and they're going to run the whole thing. I don't think so. I think it's the actual commercial because I looked it up and the ad was like, here's the Super Bowl 50 commercial and you can watch it on YouTube. Oh, that's Which, actually really disappointing because... It really is, but I mean, you're still going to get a lot out of it. What do you mean? Like, even if you have it on YouTube now, it's not airing on television, not that I know of, and even if it is airing already, it can still air on during Super Bowl 50 when you're going to have 115 million people watching it. Yeah, I guess they're not using it as like... Because most American companies use the opportunity for the Super Bowl to bring out, like, this amazing funny commercial, or at least what they think is supposed to be an amazingly funny commercial, to, like, regain interest. Mm -hmm. Whereas Pokemon seems to just be using it as a large platform to just re-air a commercial. Yeah, you know. But I I think that's, that's poor business tactics because... It, like in Japan, it's probably super smart because you're just you're getting you know millions of people to view this commercial. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, all the people who are watching the commercials, it's going to get forgotten right away because it's not it's nothing new and amazingly interesting. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the day after the Super Bowl, all the commercials are put up online and whatever, and everybody watches. Oh, did you see that super funny mm-hmm. Panasonic mm-hmm. commercial or whatever? You know what I mean? I think Doritos has one like every year. Yeah, so I mean that's not gonna have the same effect. Mm-hmm. Well, either way, I think the commercial is like a minute long, and they're willing oh, to pay wow. big money for it. Um, yeah, because you were saying the thirty-second commercial costs uh, like I think four point five million dollars for Oof. just a thirty-second commercial. Yeah, that's I mean, just crazy. That was last year's uh, record. It it reached four point five million, so it could be even more this year. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they cut a deal because it's their twentieth anniversary and. TV is willing to work with them, but who knows? I hope it's a funny commercial. It wasn't a funny commercial. Oh. It, it's it's more like a like a Nike commercial where they just like just do it and go for a run. It's kind of very similar for this Pokemon commercial. They're kind of like showing people I can do that, I can do that, and then the very final thing is this kid who's like told he can do it, and he goes out there and he battles a bunch of Pokemon in an arena. So wait, it's meant to be like realistic or yeah. Yeah, it's like a real dude throwing a Pokemon ball, a Pokeball, at a bunch of Pokemon, huh. like ready to battle them. Like I think there's a Gyarados and some other stuff. Oh, it seems like instead of spending all that money on the commercial, they should have just taken over the halftime show and had a real Pokemon battle in the middle of the Super Bowl. Like I think that would have been cooler. Metallica <laughs> playing a song behind them and then have people like fake battling yeah, Pokemon. Yeah, have them do the Pokemon theme. Like have them redo that would be it. So cool. And- <laughs> Yeah, that would be that would be pretty awesome. All right, again, we've come up with these amazing See? ideas for next Boom. year. <laughs> <laughs> On a random side note, since we were talking about like Pokemon earlier and how people dress up in Japan, uh, you read an article about a cosplay like legal battle, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so in well, this month, well, last month technically in January, for whatever reason, this article started circulating saying that cosplay was going to be illegal. Well, that it was already like illegal in five different states. Mm-hmm. And the five states were Colorado, Ohio, of course, because that's where we are, Delaware, Kansas, and New Mexico. I read that and I was like, wait, what? Well, it turns out that the article was false. It was written by a satirical 
news site, so, you know, the whole thing was just a big spoof. But um, they gave, you know, all of this legal nonsense about it, and they were like, well, it's because it's an, a copyright infringement, technically. And, you know, if they could put infringements on this, then they can put infringements on garments in general because of the way that the, the cuts are and the way that it's put together and patterns and stuff. And like, it was like, oh my god, this is gonna affect the cosplay world like crazy. Yeah. Wasn't it, like, originally based off of, like, two cheerleader, like, uniform makers like, yeah. battling each other over rights who should and shouldn't be able to make uniforms? Right. So it didn't seem like it was purely false, like, because it had mm-hmm. these things to back it up, but it was, it was still, like, well, I don't know, that doesn't make sense, though. So, anyway, it turns out that the article was false, and cosplay is free to roam around as much as it mm-hmm. wants to. Which is great, because we've already cosplayed a, a, a couple times, and... We want to cosplay more, and all of a sudden, if our state becomes illegal in cosplay, how are we supposed to do that? Like, we were actually really discussing this for a while. And right. It was kind of scary. We were just like, how? Why? That's kind of dumb. Exactly. It's so stupid because, you know, a lot of cosplayers, like the really good ones, they're, if anything, they're just bringing awareness. Mm-hmm. It's free marketing for the, the, character. the characters that they're cosplaying, you know? And I've been interested in characters purely because I've seen cosplayers. I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. who's that? You know? Yeah. And you try to figure out the anime and who it's from and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, we went to the Star Wars convention. Everybody dressed up like a Jedi. There were Disney mm-hmm. princesses that were dressed up like Jedi, you know? And stormtroopers like, and things like that. Right. So, can you imagine if all those people would have been copyright infringed? Like, <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned Star Wars, though, because now that Star Wars is picked up by Disney, Disney if anybody was to actually pursue yeah, like, it probably this would have been legal Disney. cause, it's Disney. Right. Everybody does Disney princesses and things like that. So, it's like, I don't think anime people would really care so much, but Disney d- seems like they're kind of an a-hole sometimes. <laughs> They would be the ones that would pursue, like, taking you to court over dressing yourself in a blue dress with a tiara. Right, exactly. So I'm glad that that is not true. Exactly. Me too, because I want to cosplay more. One of the things that we like to talk about in our episodes are upcoming event kind of things. And usually, well, in the past, when we were back in California... It would be something that we could go to, mm-hmm. um, something local, but, I mean, they don't really... There aren't that many conventions around Ohio. There's, there, I think I found, like, two, and that was about it. Yeah, you know, we probably have to broaden our search. Yeah, so, but I found something that was kind of neat that's happening in Las Vegas. Well, when I was looking it up, it, I didn't think it had happened yet, because I mm-hmm. saw a thing that it was coming out in May, May. or March. Yeah. yeah, May of this year. So I was like, oh, cool. So I started looking into it. And it turns out that they already had one showing in August, I think? Yeah, middle of August. It, it's called the Kabuki Festival, but it ended up just being one show, I guess, or a, a showing. Long. Yeah, yeah. In front of the Bellagio, using, like, all the... The fountains. The fountains and stuff, yeah. which sounds super neat. It's kind of like the uh, the pirate show that they used to do. I don't know if they still do it or not, but I think they used the fountains for that as well. Yeah. It's kind of out there for everybody to watch. Well, so anyway, this Kabuki... Um, well, I get. What do you call like a like a Broadway ensemble? You know, like a, um, a, it's not a club. The way they described it was a kabuki spectacle, spectacular, a, spe- spectacle. a spectacle, a spectacular spectacle yeah. of kabukiness yeah. was held at the Bellagio. They had this group. It's called Shochiku. Oh, production. There you go. That's production. what you would call them. There right. you go. There. See, we got we got brains here. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. Well. If for those of you who don't know what kabuki mm-hmm. is, it's 
it's traditional from Japan, and it's kind of like a play, but it's really overly dramatic. Very overly dramatic, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and it's like very bright colors and super expressive facial expressions, because that mm-hmm. makes sense. And it was kind of like Greek theater, I guess you could say. Well, I remember watching One Piece, and during one of the arcs, they had a, not necessarily a pirate, but like a marine person, and he was very kabuki. He had a mask, a staff, and his wardrobe was that, and he was very Exaggerated. Loud. Yeah, he yeah. exaggerated and made a bunch of like, oh, sounds, and like, just kind of was out there, and it was it was awesome because I like that they introduced that into the anime as well. Yeah. So, uh, so it was a real Japanese production company that did this kabuki thing. They're mm-hmm. called Shochiku, and they teamed up with MGM Resorts to bring about the whole production because mm-hmm. that's what they do. It was led by Japanese actor Ichikawa Samegoro, who performed a high-tech rendition of kabuki spectacle known as Koi Tsukami, which is fight with a carp. And they're using the fountains in the background to kind of display, I would imagine, the carp and a bunch of, like, light water effects. The strange thing is we assumed that it was going to be just a flat stage in the water using a backdrop of the fountains. But we watched a video on YouTube of the August showing, and it's not what we thought. No, I thought that they were going to be using the water for a lot more effects, I guess. Like, in the videos I've seen of... Las Vegas in general with the water fountains when they Mm -hmm. do like their whole little dancing thing the fountains dancing that's what I kind of thought they were going to be doing I thought the fountains were going to be going up and down and like splashing and you know doing stuff like that but it ended up just being a wall behind like a normal looking stage with a roof and everything yeah and then the wall of water behind all of that and it didn't really do anything no it was just like you like you're saying it was a stage with its own wall water behind it i think you didn't really get to see anything but maybe some lights shine into it at the very end you get a giant koi yeah swimming back and forth like it was supposed to be ominous but it really didn't it didn't make ha- sense no. and maybe it's just because we weren't there and we didn't get to see the entire show because yeah. it was just like a clip you know but from what i saw of the clip i wasn't i wasn't impressed unfortunately and no. i was really hoping that i would have been I don't know if I'd even want to go see it, knowing how bad it looked in video, but like you're saying, it might have made a difference. Right. And I mean, I think, in general, kabuki is not for everybody. No. Like, kind of like how here, regular plays aren't for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who, like, loathe going to plays. And I think, if you don't like plays, you wouldn't like kabuki, let alone this one not in its traditional place. Yeah, exactly. Because it's in the middle of, like, a river of water on a stage instead of being in an actual theater surrounded by other people who are totally into it. Exactly. So. But it's still nice that MGM and uh, Shochiku try to like combine and do this and that they're doing it for two showings. It's really nice that they're trying to bring other cultures to Las Vegas. Yeah. Let alone to America as well. Exactly. I think it's really cool. I think it would be also really neat if, maybe they're doing this and I just don't know, but like inside of the hotel too, Mm -hmm. if they were having, I mean like when I hear festival, I imagine there being more stuff. Something. Like an exhibit or a history or, yeah, you know, something. So maybe they're doing more to it and not just that show out in the water. 
You know, that would make sense because usually using using the fountains, they, they tend to just be for free public showing. Right. More often than not because, like, you can't stop people from watching it from their hotels or people walking down the street. So, yeah, it's like on you're saying, the sidewalk. It probably was a festival. There's just a lot more going on inside the hotel slash casino. Yeah. And that was just a, like, hey, come check it out type show. Right. And we tried looking into it to find more info, and that's, we really couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. Even the MGM website didn't have much on it. It so, really didn't. I, I went looking to see if I can see the show later on in May. And exactly. They, they don't have anything up. I think they go out as far as February. Yeah. You try to click into like May, and it says there's no events planned, even though it is yeah, technically. Yeah, clearly this is planned. It says it. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. But if we find more info and it seems cool, we'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll let everybody it. know. Yeah. But for now, it's very, very, uh, we don't know what's happening. Not informative. <laughs> but, yeah. But, you know, hitting back on like... MGM trying to make sure that they celebrate Japanese culture. They also brought over a sculptor, Masatoshi Izumi, and he brought some art pieces, and they have it on display in the Bellagio's Conservatory and Botanical Gardens. Oh, that's probably really pretty, actually. Yeah, but it is. Yeah. But again, that's at least these casinos are attempting to take in Japanese culture, which to me is amazing. Yeah. I mean, so. it's probably just to increase Japanese tourism to Las Vegas, mm-hmm. but still, you know. Hey, whatever works. As long as they keep bringing more of it over here, the happier I'll be. Yeah, I bet. I bet Las Vegas would have some of the most amazing sushi. You know, because they could afford to get the freshest stuff ever. It's probably really expensive, though. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, you know, we'll never know until we make that trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, one of the other final things that we like to do on the show is, meanwhile, in Japan. Um, I had actually forgotten to do that this week almost until I remembered. So we just kind of try to find something wacky Mm -hmm. that happens in Japan because that happens a lot. (laughs) Very, very often. So this week I remembered that McDonald's in Japan is, yeah, they, they are having chocolate french fries. And when you look at it, it's kind of like, or when you hear about it, you're like, well, I don't know about that. You know, like chocolate, chocolate on French fries. fries? Right. Yeah. But it's a it's a little basket of fries, and they drizzle regular milk chocolate and white chocolate on top of it. And it probably isn't that bad because... It looks really good. Right. But, I mean, you know, there's chocolate-covered potato chips. There's chocolate-covered tons of stuff. Things. Yeah. So I can't imagine that it would be bad, especially because people dip their french fries into milkshakes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's vanilla and chocolate right there. And so. I don't imagine Japanese McDonald's being bad because when we were there, it was so good. Yeah, like, it was really good. Ten times better than here in America. So I imagine <laughs> if they're going to do chocolate fries, they're going to do it right. Yeah. For sure. So if you're in Japan, check out these chocolate fries. And let us know, please, because I'm... Um, <laughs> really wanting to try them myself yeah they're probably really good (laughs) uh thanks for listening hope you guys enjoyed our first episode back um i'm sure there are kinks that we will work out definitely so (laughs) give us some time and hopefully we'll get back to the regular quality that we have if you have any comments or concerns just go ahead and find us at super Cast on facebook twitter and instagram we will do our best to get back to anything we receive quickly you can also subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Yeah. Check out Night of the Living Geeks at NOTLG.com. That is our network, technically, our where they host, host website. Yeah. They have a lot of other great podcasts. Too. They really do. And thanks to Alex Barroza for our music. Check the link for more. 
I love that song. I Me too. It. I missed it. It's really good. You know, <laughs> and one other thing, if you guys don't want to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can also send us an email at supersugoycast at gmail.com. We look forward to seeing what you guys got to say. Bye. Bye.